This is Billy Corbin, director of Cocaine Cowboys and the 30 for 30s, The You and Broke. And there's nothing we love in Miami more than driving cruise control with no hands, steering with our knee, and not using turn signals, which is kind of what it's like listening to the Cruise Control podcast with my man, Randy Cruz. Hey, and welcome to another edition of the Cruise Control Podcast on the Hits Podcast Network. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and blogtalkradio.com. I'm your host, Randy Cruz. You can follow me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-A-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. Um, pretty much... What I want to talk about is um, we are one week into the NBA season. Grant Land is no longer with ESPN. And um, the Lakers look uh, like the Lakers. <laughs> I mean, you know, I know I know we're only four games in. We're a week into the NBA season. Not trying to, you know, not trying to have what has happened in the first week dictate what's going to happen the remainder of the regular season. It's only one week. It's four games. But if you're a Laker fan, I would say it's, it's going to be a long season for you. And I know how that feels coming off a um, a 17-win season last year with the New York Knicks and me being a Knicks fan. It was a long and treacherous and depressing season. And I think that's what's going to happen now with the Lakers with their roster and what's going to happen with Kobe Bryant. I, I didn't even want to kick off the podcast with the Lakers and Kobe, but... Since I'm on it, I, I, I might as well start off with them and, you know, just being being an NBA basketball fan for so long. Um, you get to a point where you being a fan like me can kind of get in the way of what is, you know, what is being portrayed in real time. Being a fan... And what is happening in reality can kind of mess you up. And what I mean by that is the fact that majority of us are Kobe Bryant fans and have been Kobe Bryant fans since he got into the league in 1996. And you fast forward all this time now and we're in 2015. As a fan, some could feel like Kobe can still do what he was doing back then in 96, in 2000, in 2005, in 2010, in 2012. As much as I want to see that happen, just because I'm a fan of Kobe, um, I don't want to get him, I don't want to see him come to a point where he's playing basketball longer than he should. Or he's hanging on too long. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. 
hanging on too long where you kind of see him, you know, game in and, and game out. Like, listen, uh, this is not the Kobe we want to see. This is not the Kobe Bryant we're acclimated to seeing. Um, it's kind of it's kind of that time to take a step back and let the new guys, um, you know, take the reign. And I know I think Kobe Bryant can be a mentor to the Julius Randles, the Jordan Clarksons, D'Angelo Russells on that roster. I mean, on paper, the the roster looks pretty decent, but you're in the Western Conference. And you have a 37-year-old Kobe Bryant, a slow, tall Roy Hibbert, um, which in today's NBA, um, that's not going to work. Most of your big men, your fours and your fives, are out on the wing, out on the perimeter, running fast breaks, leaner, thinner, faster, quicker. That's not Roy Hibbert. Um it was a good get for them to to have in the offseason. But what he can do is not what the Lakers need. And what I mean by that is that most of your fives, like your Dwight Howard, your Andre Drummonds, your DeMarcus Cousins, Greg Monroe's, all down the line, are just quicker, faster, and more agile than Roy Hibbert. And getting him was good. Getting Lou Williams was good. Drafting D'Angelo Russell, which I don't want people to, in four games, to all of a sudden question whether the Lakers should have drafted Jaleel Okafor as opposed to Russell at number two. Only four games in. I know he's not playing at all in the fourth quarter. I don't know what's up with that. Um, you know, Byron Scott, like, last night against the uh, Denver Nuggets, again, not playing D'Angelo Russell in the fourth quarter. We're all like, what are you doing? Like, you know, <laughs> the Lakers aren't going anywhere. You're not going to the NBA Finals. You're not going to the Western Conference Finals. Why don't you play these these, these young guys? Give them the time. And... D'Angelo Russell can't get in the can't get on the floor in the fourth quarter against the Denver Nuggets. You know that happened in game in um the third game of the season. He he did not play in the fourth quarter, or didn't play as much in the fourth quarter. Me, I I'm not even a Laker fan. Let's get it. <laughs> let's get that out the way. I'm not even a Laker fan. The fact that the Lakers are gonna be coming to a point, coming to a period where. Kobe's gonna have one year left. I think I think this year is it for Kobe. It might be it for Byron Scott. Why don't you let the these young guys develop? They're not gonna they'll learn as much as they can in practice. But in real time, in game time, your Russells, your Clarksons, your Julius Randles, they're gonna have to play in the fourth quarter, crunch time. Down by 20, up by 20. It doesn't matter. These guys need the time. And for Byron Scott to not play D'Angelo Russell in the fourth quarter in back-to-back games, I don't know what's up with that. He says he has no, you know, Kobe Bryant is the last person 
he should be concerned about. Well, Kobe Bryant is 37 years old and he's shooting air balls and bricks and I don't know, man. It, 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 it's a different Kobe. And I'm not trying to say, you know, he's completely done. But from the looks of it, with the injury, the wear and tear, trying to get back, um, it just doesn't it just doesn't seem that the fit is right with him with the current young players on the roster. Um I think the Lakers when Kobe Bryant does retire can finally get on that on that point where they remain young. If Kobe and Meta World Peace is off the roster, um you're looking at Roy Hibbert, Lou Williams, Randall, Clarkson, uh, Russell, some other guys on their roster that that are relatively young, then the whole rebuilding process can can officially begin. It's not going to begin if Kobe Bryant is still on the roster. And as as much as I am a fan of Kobe, I don't want to see him hang on too long. I don't want him to be like that that pro wrestler that is 40, 45, 50, 50 years old and just doesn't want to hang the boots up. You know, I don't want Kobe to, to, to be like a Ric Flair or Hulk Hogan where he's in the 60s still trying to wrestle. And it's like, dude, like, you know, I, <laughs> I think it's time to hang it up. But Kobe's Kobe. He's going to make that, that decision. He's going to make that choice. I think it'll be after this year that, you know, you know, if it's with the Lakers, I think it'll be this year. I don't see Kobe going to a to a different team, trying to get uh, a sixth ring. I don't think Kobe will do that. He, you know, he he always says he bleeds purple and gold. I believe him. I think Laker Nation believes him, and I just don't want him to prolong the career to try to prove people wrong that he can't do it. Where down, where technically, you know, Father Tom is catching up, and a lot of guys are are getting are still young, and the game is getting quicker, it's getting faster. You got to keep up, and I think the best thing to for Kobe to do, play out this year, and see where it goes. He's not gonna go anywhere else. Would I want Kobe to go somewhere else? As a fan, sure, why not? But is Kobe going, one, is he going to do that? Two, is he going to accept a lesser role even with the Lakers or with a different team? I don't see Kobe doing that. He wants to start. He wants to prove that he can get 15, 20 points a game. But I think with the Western Conference, the way it is now, the way that the the Lakers are currently constructed, I don't see that happening. And I know we're only four games in. But I don't want the remaining 78 to be a thing where we, we're watching the Laker games just to, see, just to see how bad Kobe is doing or what he's not doing. Or be like, oh, you know, Kobe can't do this no more. He can't do that no more. I don't want to watch Laker basketball like that. I want to enjoy what I see. And from the first four games, um, again, I'm not a Laker fan. I'm a Kobe fan. Hopefully, he'll turn it around, but it's not looking good for him and the Lakers.
on the other side, you have Stephen Curry, Golden State Warriors, blowing everybody out, one by 50 against Memphis. Curry is like averaging 35, 40, 40 points a game. He had 50, 53, I think, against New Orleans. Um, he was a couple a couple points shy of breaking Jordan's record for the most points scored in the first four games of a season. That dude is locked in. I think what is happening with Stephen Curry and the Warriors is the fact that they felt like a lot of people in the NBA, outside, the critics, the media, the fans, felt like their NBA championship wasn't well-deserved, wasn't, um, you know, truly won. Um, a lot of a lot of injuries happened on the way in the Western Conference teams and even with the Cavaliers. You know, people can say, well, they did not play the San Antonio Spurs. Well, blame the Clippers for that. Um, Memphis had the injury for Mike Conley. You still got to go out and play the games. Um, the Walnuts had the injuries to, to Drew Holiday, I believe, in the first round. That's not the Warriors' fault. Uh, the Rockets, they had Patrick Beverly out. Hey, you know, that's not Golden State's fault. Cavaliers. Now, the Cavaliers part, I honestly feel like if Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving were playing, that the Cavaliers would have won the NBA Finals. That, that That's just me. Um... Because if LeBron can take that team by himself to a game six, just imagine what would have happened if Kyrie did not get hurt in game one and Kevin Love did not have a separated shoulder in in, in, in the Boston series. To me, the Cavaliers would be world champions. It might have taken them seven games. It would not it would not have been easy, but I think if Love and Kyrie were healthy, the Cavaliers would be the NBA champions, but they were not playing. They were not healthy. Golden State did what they had to, did what they had to do, and they won. They won the finals. And I think a lot of what you're seeing now with the Warriors and, and Golden State and Stephen Curry and how he's playing, he's like, I want to prove everybody wrong that one, my MVP year was not a fluke. Our championship run was not a fluke. Um, being the best defensive team in the NBA was not a fluke. They're doing this right now without Steve Kerr. Um, they're undefeated. They're blowing everybody out. I think only San Antonio and maybe the Clippers can be the biggest threat to Golden State in the Western Conference if everybody's healthy. San Antonio with Aldridge and David West and Duncan is back and Parker Ginobili and Kawhi Leonard, who's who's becoming a superstar. The Clippers, they did an overhaul of their roster. They got they did what was needed. They improved the bench with Josh Smith, Lane Stevenson. Um Paul Pierce is, is now on the roster. So I think the Warriors just want to go out there and really show everybody, like, listen, this our championship is, is legit. It, it's for real. And Curry, the way he's, he's playing, he's in a different, a, a different zone. He's, he's locked in. And he has to be the greatest shooter in, in, in NBA history. And 
because he makes it look so easy. Yeah, there's 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 Larry Bird and Reggie Miller and, and Ray Allen, all these great sh- Chris Mullen, all these great shooters, and I'm still missing quite a few. But Stephen Curry past half court is in range. Like you really have to pick up on him at half court. Because it, one, he can create off the dribble, he can create his own shot. And any any daylight you give him, it could be a wrap for you. We saw it last year. We're seeing it now, first four games. Getting 50, blowing Memphis out by 50. They got a game tonight against the Clippers, which is going to be fantastic. I, I, I <laughs> That game right there, that arena in, in, in Golden State is going to be electric. It's probably a Western Conference Finals preview, which should have been the Conference Finals last year if the Clippers did not blow a 3-1 lead in the semis against Houston. So, I like what I see from Golden State. I think Stephen Curry is going to continue his his onslaught, his rampage on the NBA. And he has has something to prove. Even though it it may not seem that way, being an MVP and being a world champion, but the fact that he wants to prove the doubt is wrong, like, you know... We can do this again. A lot of people don't have Golden State winning the, the championship. San Antonio, Cleveland, Clippers. Not many Not many people have Golden State. They're in the mix. But to say definitively the Warriors are going to win the championship, not many have that. Unless you're a fan of Golden State, which I, which I agree. Can it make it back to the NBA Finals? Absolutely. Can it make it to the Western Conference Finals? Absolutely. Can Stephen Curry be the MVP again? Absolutely. But what what we're seeing right now, first four games, you know, he, he he's he almost broke Jordan's rec, Jordan's record for most points in the first four games of a season. Like that is. Um, that's epic, man. And this kid is, is in his, Stephen Curry is, is is in his mid twenties. We have like ten more years of Stephen Curry to watch in in the NBA. Kid is a kid is a phenomenal, man. Like his jump shot is so cash. <laughs> like it's not even funny. It's really not. I wanted to get to yesterday on Twitter. Um, I put out there that if people could hit me up on Twitter at Randy J Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y-J-C-R-U-Z, that what has been like the major surprises so far in the first week of the NBA regular season. And again, it's only one week. It's four games. Don't want to, you know, push the panic button that that quick, but Ricardo 
says Houston playing horrible basketball and losing three games in a row by 20 points. Well, they won last night, um, or I should say Monday, against Oklahoma City. So they ended that three-game losing streak. They did lose the first three games by 20-plus. James Harden was not has not been shooting the, uh, the basketball well from the floor. I think he made like four threes out of 30-plus. Um, I mean, they're, they're a contender for the Western Conference. I don't know how deep they'll go. I don't think they'll make it to the Western Conference Finals, but maybe the semifinals. It all depends on how healthy Dwight Howard, Dwight Howard is. I think he missed the, the first. He missed two out of, th- two out of three um, games already. Um, he played against Oklahoma City, so he he only played in fifty percent of the season so far. So, do I see Houston? Do I see Houston changing up a bit? Definitely, I think Ty Lawson was a big addition to that roster, helping James Harden with the ball handling and trying to relieve some of the offensive duties from James Harden. But yeah, losing the first three games by twenty plus. I think they were up by 20-plus against Miami, and they, they lost by 20, which was amazing. But um, Harden will will break out of that funk, in my opinion. Going to take a matter of time. Um, but I do see Houston in the semis. I don't think they'll get to the conference finals, and definitely not the NBA finals. Um, I breathe NBA, Pelicans, Starting off 0-3, they lost last night to Orlando. The Pelicans are 0-4. I think a lot of that goes to the injuries um, that has been plaguing New Orleans so far. And Davis has not not been playing particularly well, in my opinion. I don't know. I don't know what's up with him. It seems like the the passion ain't there. I know we signed that big contract, $145 million in July. So a lot of expectations coming from him and the fans and and especially the media, NBA, uh, for Rand Davis to be like that next rising superstar. Um, The first four games have not been particularly well. I think they even lost to Portland. And it's like, who Portland got? They lost, Portland lost four starters and they beat the Pelicans. Well, I don't know. Pelicans should make the playoffs. I think we all have them in that 7th, 8th seed. Um, they were the 8th seed last year. We all thought they were going to take take that next level. But it all depends on the health of Drew Holiday, Eric Gordon, um, and the, the play of Ann Davis. He's got to step up. He's got to play like the $145 million man that he is. Because... If you go 0 and 4 in the Western Conference, ugh, your season might be over real quick. That Western Conference is, is is tough, man, because you're looking at Phoenix, you're looking at Utah, trying to 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 weasel in seventh, eighth, the Mavericks. We all know OKC is taking Portland's spot. We all know that. So there's only one spot left: Mavericks, Pelicans. Phoenix, Utah, who's it going to be? I don't know, but 
if the Pelicans don't get their act together, they're going to be playing catch-up for quite a while. But I got faith in Ann Davis. I do. I think he'll turn it around. He has no choice but to turn it around after signing that big contract. But, you know, Alvin Gentry's a new coach there. So, you know, I'm not saying let's give him a lot of time, but let's see how 15, 20 games, you know, happen and see where it's at. Um, I know we got a few more here. Alex Slaughter, the the start of the Detroit Pistons, they look good. Uh, I think they're 3-1 now. Drummond had like 23, 24, and 29 rebounds last night. I mean, this guy is emerging as one of the top centers in the Eastern Conference and in and in the NBA. I think not having Greg Monroe there um, kind of opens up a lot for Andre Drummond. Um, 29 rebounds, man, that's... That's a lot. <laughs> That's like Kevin Love or Dennis Rodman, DeMarcus Cousins type numbers. But um, I like the I like the Pistons. I like their backcourt with with Reggie Jackson, you know Stanley Johnson. Um, they look all right, man. I mean, it, it's the Eastern Conference. Can they be in that mix? I think anybody can. Um, you look at Orlando. They they they're looking real good. Detroit looking real good. Um, the Knicks are two and two right now, so again we're early, but let's not really be like, well, it's only four games and they're not making the playoffs. I mean, let's see how it goes, because it depends on how healthy these teams are. Any teams that made the playoffs last year that can fall back, that can fall out, like a Brooklyn, in my opinion, I don't think they're making the playoffs. I think I think they're zero four right now. Um, so Detroit might might get in, the Hornets might get in. Um, they blew out Chicago by like damn near 30 points last night. New York can try to get in. I, I say that because I'm a Knicks fan, but they're better than Brooklyn. Boston can try to stay in. They, they made it last year as number seven. Um, so Detroit, Orlando, Charlotte, New York are the teams that when you're trying to fight for that seventh, eighth spot in, in the Eastern Conference, those to me are the four teams, and you can put in Boston. I give them the benefit of the doubt because they made it last year. So those five teams trying to get, you know, really, really one spot because I think we all have Miami making it. They're taking a spot. So it's really five teams for one spot. Brooklyn is out. Miami gets in. Does Boston get back in? Does Detroit get in? Charlotte, New York, Orlando? It's going to be tough. going to be entertaining, but we'll see. Um, Cage underscore 916. I mentioned how go, uh, how much more dominant the Warriors are and doing it against playoff teams. Like I said before, the Warriors are, are doing a great job. Um, as long as you have a healthy roster, um, they can get back to the finals, at least the Western Conference Finals. If, if Stephen Curry keeps playing out of his mind, um, they'll be in the mix. Um, Manu Romero, the Knicks not being the Knicks. Um, you know, they're 2-2. Two two. I, I mentioned before on a previous show that their first 12-13 games are brutal. Playoff team, San Antonio, Cleveland, Atlanta, Washington. Um 
quite a few others. So, I mean, I think I think Milwaukee twice. Um, I like what I see from, from from New York right now, not because I am a a, a Nick fan, but I I want to give a little more time for Metal to get in that rhythm. I know we had a big game against the Wizards, thirty plus. Um, the shooting the shooting may not be all there right now. I like what I see from from Porzingis. Um, the game against San Antonio, I think was big. I think he had thirteen and fourteen. And getting big praise from Tim Duncan, a future Hall of Famer, um, is going to be good for that kid. I don't want everybody putting a lot of pressure on pressure on him because he was the number four pick. But in New York, fourth pick, MSG, you're playing with Melo. I think the kid will be all right. And again, as long as he remains healthy and the system that Derek Fisher runs can fit him and his style, which I think is has been going well so far. Porzingis is more on the outside, perimeter shooting threes. But he's down there. He's he's getting rebounds. Um, not doing too much either. Not trying to overdo it. Not trying to force things. But as time goes on, and I think they have a big game tonight against the Cavaliers in Cleveland, Big test for them. Kevin Love, LeBron, and company. So it remains to be seen of what this kid can do. The the ceiling is very high. I know I know a lot of, a lot of Nick fans were like, "Who is this?" When <laughs> draft night came along, but I'm slowly but surely becoming more confident in that pick and the fact that Melo wants to be a mentor to Poising and to not have all this pressure just bombarded on him. I think that's going to be good to learn from Melo. And the fact that you have a coach like Derek Fisher, five-time champion. I mean, what? who else better to learn from, um, from him in your first year in the NBA? So as long as he's healthy and can get some touches and be – like the second, third option in that offense, I think the Knicks will be all right. I think that, like I said before, when it comes down to the Eastern Conference, they can be in the mix. I'm not, I don't have them in the playoffs yet, but I think come when it comes down to it in March, April, don't be surprised if the New York Knicks are fighting for a seventh and eighth spot. And I think that was it. I think that was um, the just a few Twitter love uh, responses about big time surprises so far in the first week of the NBA season. Only four games, so um, not a lot has been happening. But I do want to end the podcast off like this. Um, you know, I, I was always a fan of Grantland. I know the recent news about. ESPN shutting them down and um, Grandland was was a very entertaining uh, exciting site to go to for sports and entertainment, pop culture, film music, whatever movies, um, TV shows, it was fun and you know even, even pro wrestling, I think one of the best podcasts to me they had was Cheap Heat with um, David Shoemaker and, and Peter Rosenberg um, 
I'm a big wrestling wrestling fan, and hearing their show every week was cool, was great. Um, and you get you, you just get a lot of insight from from the writers. They did a great job, and I think how Grant Lamb portrayed their site with not just you know the final score here and just the normal stuff that you'll see on other sites and blogs. They'll they'll write a story about why this guy this or this girl that and TV show here and it, it was just different. It was very entertaining. It was very um, noteworthy because for me when I do when I do my podcast, I just I kind of took a page out of their book, meaning that I didn't want to keep my podcast just sports or just basketball. I wanted to have an influx of basketball, football, um, pro wrestling, TV, film, video games, pop culture, whatever it is, because I wanted to talk about what interests me. So if I can't get somebody to talk basketball, I would get somebody who wrote a book on video games like I did with Blake Harris when he wrote Console Wars. Um, I read the book in a month and I said, this is very interesting. Why don't, why don't I get the author of this book to come on the show? And lo and behold, he came on and had, we had an hour and a half conversation about that book console wars. It was the battle between Nintendo and Sega. So if you never heard of it or haven't read it or even heard the episode we had, go ahead and check it out. Um, but something like that, Grantland, I I learned from Grantland. I was, um, influenced by them to do different things, uh, to do a podcast on different topics that may not interest everybody else. But if you get a little interest from 20, 30 people, go ahead and do it because they're going to be the ones to hear it. And even, like I said, console wars, I had the podcast with, um, you know, with Billy Corbin talking about his documentary, the U, the U part two, um, Michael Rappaport when he did the documentary when the garden was eaten for ESPN. So I just didn't keep it basketball. I kept it where pop culture could be involved in the podcast. And I think from the reaction that I got, a lot of people like, like what they heard and the fact that it's not just one genre. And I think Grantland portrayed that on their, on their website where they had a lot of people not just sticking to one thing. So what, if I talk about pro wrestling, if I talk about video games, if I talk about film and movies and stuff like that, to me, I think that's kind of cool. And then I'll come back with the basketball, the NBA, which has always been my, my, my number one thing. But looking at what Grantland did, the the impact that it had on the industry in journalism and even in the in the world of, of podcast. Um it was a big deal, it was a great deal. I'm sad that ESPN shut it down. Hopefully down the road something like that can can happen again or just going on a different platform maybe. I don't know, but um if you never read any articles or heard any of the podcasts from Grantland, 
I think they still have something up on grantland.com. Um, like I said, my favorite podcast was Cheap Pete with Rosenberg and Shoemaker. Just me being a big-time wrestling fan, which also left for me to talk wrestling on my podcast. So um, I want to thank them for giving people the opportunity to talk about what they want to talk about, write about what they want, what they want to write about, and just not sticking to not sticking to the norm of journalism and radio and podcasts. Um, because there are different interests for everybody, whether it is basketball, wrestling, entertainment, music, doesn't matter. Um, and that's how I'm, that's how I'm shaping my podcast to be where it's not just evolved around one genre and for, to Grantland, I thank them. I appreciate, um, just being a a vital, vital part in the world of podcasts and, and journalism and hopefully to see them rise up again. Thanks again for joining me here on the Cruise Control Podcast. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. You can find the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and blogtalkradio.com. We are out.